o'clock, friends. It's time for the AltaCast slash some, some Call Me Tim. The AltaCast under Some Call Me Tim with your host Pam Benjamin and Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, who I believe is on her way here to the sprawling studios of MutinyRadio.fm and .sf. You can always give us a call, 415-550-0511. If you've ever listened to this show, you know that we are prone to hyperbolic statements, to grand hyperbole, grand exaggerated statements that are meant to be taken somewhat seriously or not, or completely disregarded, which is also fine. I'm, I'm actually excited on my way here. I was in a terrible mood. But you know what lifted my spirits? Urban alchemy. All right, these guys, I just, I've just started recognizing that they're all over town. And usually on my way here from the beautiful Tenderloin in lovely San Francisco, it's usually sad and scary and awful. And, but I saw lately these guys in the black hoodies with the green and it says Urban Alchemy, and they have a very, very cool logo with like an eye, and there's triangles, and there's all kinds of stuff, sun rays. And they always say good morning and smile, and and not in like a creepy way, just like in a, hey, how you doing? And it's, wow, my mood is lifted. And it has happened a lot recently. So then today, on my walk here to Mutiny Radio, I'm 21st in Florida. I walk down Hyde Street, which I don't usually do. And next to 222 Hyde, there used to be an abandoned lot of nothingness that was blight. And now it's a beautiful community space. There's a dog park and uh, picnic benches, tables. They were playing jazz. There's a beautiful mural on the wall commemorating jazz in the in the Tenderloin. And they were giving out water bottles. There's kids playing. There's a giant tic-tac-toe. There's weights to use. Um, and there were people just talking and communing. It's open from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. on Hyde and Turk, I believe. And there's a new beautiful children's park across the street with a really great play structure. And... I was like, Urban Alchemy, who are you people? What are you doing? And so I walked in and I asked them. I have a little audio clip from today that I'm going to play. But I want to read a little bit off their website because they're a pretty amazing group. I got to meet Artie and it was um, awesome. I was um, the mid-market... Uh, my eyes are so bad. Mid-Market Business Association Deputy Director Fernando. Uh, we went to graduate school together, and I ran into him on the street, and uh, we got a little sound clip from him. But here is what Urban Alchemy is about. We aim to raise the vibrations in urban spaces and save the lives of those who exist on their streets. We believe that calling the police shouldn't be the default answer to poverty and desperation. Our society can't address trauma, addiction, and mental illness with the same approach we use to tackle crime. Police are trained to respond to active threats, not to individuals in the throes of psychotic break or someone who has been overwhelmed by their emotions and is acting out of desperation. Wow. I mean, I love this language already. 
Um, here's more about urban alchemy. Our people. In our experience, the best people to heal society are those who understand what it means to harm it. Few people know how to withstand the trauma and chaos we see on the streets. It's usually those who have endured it themselves. Most of our team have served life sentences in prison. They've spent 20 plus years in a confined environment where their survival depends on their ability to read people in unpredictable situations. This teaches them the instincts that you can't learn in a classroom. Employers aren't bending over backward to hire returning citizens, but at Urban Alchemy, their skills are sought after. When they start working here, people often realize that the self-awareness and personal development they gain on the inside are one of the most valuable gifts they can give back on the outside. Okay, I love, I'm in love with Ur Urban Alchemy right now. Uh, Latoya, the sheriff of truth, is in the house. Do you know about Urban Alchemy? You know about this in the... They sound familiar. It's in the city. They're the, they're the dudes that have the black hoodies with the green, the bright green. There's like an eye in it. What is it they do? They are reviving the streets, walking through the tenderloin, as I, we, I usually say when I get here. Oh, it's disgusting and horrible and terrible. But there's this new, basically, park on Hyde and Turk where... They were playing music today, and I walked in. I'm like, do you guys want some comedy? <laughs> like, we could do comedy. But they're open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. There's picnic tables. There's a little dog park thing. There's weights to work out with. There's a huge Connect Four. They were playing jazz music. They were giving away water. They had free lunches. Oh, I it, think I know what you're talking about, because someone's been talking about this new park and stuff over in that area. And so there's, um, I, that's why the name sounds familiar. Go on. Sorry. Urban Alchemy. Yeah. So I, I was like, what, what? I have a little sound clip because I asked them to talk about public space activation. That's what they were calling it. Okay, public space activation. So this uh, Urban Alchemy's public space activation is a new model that's based on proactive public safety rather than passive security guards. This approach is rooted in the psychology that people are more motivated by reward than punishment. Instead of enforcing rules and monitoring negative behavior, we demonstrate curiosity and appreciation for the people who live in the community. Our secret is engagement. We actively form bonds with residents, whether they live in houses or on the streets. We listen to their stories, speak to them with kindness, lead by example, and recognize their value as human beings. Oh. The unique lived experiences of practitioners means that we're able to interrupt negative behavior in public spaces through trauma-informed communication and de-escalation practices. To date, we've transformed the social energy in San Francisco's parks, the surrounding uh, the main library, the Civic Center, Tenderloin neighborhoods, and even in Los Angeles' Skid Row. Wow, I didn't realize that Urban Alchemy was more than just San Francisco. Well, so I was really, uh, Civic Center Commons, that maybe that's the, so they were, yes, so when you walked by, and they're, they're taking it down right now, but right next to the library, there was that space during the COVID where they had tents. They basically activated a small community in yeah. the parking lot in between the Asian Art Museum and I the library. Yeah. And they just took it down. I was walking by it today and I was like, it's gone. So I was like, where's it? Where'd they move everybody? Whoa. Like, because it was tents 
and now Polk, Polk Street, right? Between Polk. Um, between Hyde and Larkin. Hyde and Larkin. Okay. Um, yeah, right next to the library. And everyone was living there, and it was Urban Alchemy. And so Urban Alchemy, they're they're providing bathrooms and services, and they prov- they provide jobs for ex-cons. I and hope I, they're paying them well. I yeah, great. I just think that I hope. Well, everyone deserves a job, and right. and it's great for the community. And I see them everywhere, and it's it's great. I'm I'm really excited. We'll um here. Let's see one more thing, and then I'll play this little sound clip, and then we can see what else is going on in the world. Uh, impact. Let's look at their Im- what they want as their impact. Uh, impact. Statistics only tell half the story. Our people tell the rest. Flushes year to date. 90. Oh, wow. Let's see if I can figure out. 927,012 flushes year to date. So that's people that got to go potty. Yay. Uh, 14,624 showers provided year to date. So that's so just this year. Oh, this makes me happy. 13 cities served. Eight safe sleeping sites. That's amazing. 436 overnight guests daily. 996 urban alchemy practitioners. So they're, they've created jobs for 996 people. How many are eight cities? Where are the cities? We know here in Los Angeles. I'm yeah, let's curious. see what are there. Because it's got to be 13 ha- cities served. Let's see which. It's got to be hard for cities that are like uh, that have like winter and stuff. So I wonder how that prevails. There's like no they- there's no click on 13 cities served. It's Aww. just stuff. Um, oh. I don't know how they got this number, but 68,825 positive engagements. 5,540 de-escalating interventions. Wow. Uh, 162 overdose reversals year-to-date. That's amazing. Uh, 282 tons of trash disposed year-to-date. Tons! 282 tons of trash disposed? That's amazing. Um, 44,115 needles disposed years-to-date. Uh, wow. Year-to-date. That's, that's, that's good. Urban Alchemy is killing it. And really positive and you can donate to them that's also on there uh so hey if you're a richie pants google person and you're like i'm tired of walking over poop in the tenderloin share dangerous you can donate uh to urban alchemy through their website uh, there are a few local causes where a single dollar makes such a visible impact on the street level. Whether it's $1 or $100,000, a donation to Urban Alchemy is a lifeline to traumatized urban spaces. As a social enterprise, we appreciate all the help we can get. Your donation helps expand our presence in traumatized urban communities and create fair employment opportunities for people who are turning their lives around after serving time in prison and others with lived experience. Even the smallest donations make a difference. All right, everybody. Urban Alchemy. Check them out in San Francisco. So this is a sound clip I'm going to play from today when I ran into Fernando, who I went to graduate school with 10 years ago. So here we go. So this is the Oasis. So here we are. We're at uh, 200 High, Turkenhide, the historic site of the Black Hawk Jazz Club. We've got jazz playing today on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Uh, this is the Urban Alchemy Oasis, run by uh, our partners, the nonprofit Urban Alchemy, which transforms urban spaces with compassion and respect. Uh, what we've done is taken this derelict lot and transformed it into a place of rest, a, a 
a public place for peaceful people. You know, we have a little dog park, you've got trees, you've got a beautiful mural commemorating the uh, Jazz Hawk, the Jazz uh, Black Hawk Jazz Club, and the historic nature of, of that music here in the Tenderloin, in the beautiful Tenderloin. So come on by. Picnic uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Seven days a week. Play some uh, Connect Four. Do a little games. Have a refreshment and just connect with the Urban Alchemy practitioners. Let them know you appreciate them for what they're doing out here in the Tenderloin. What? When did Ur Urban Alchemy start? Because I've just been recently seeing the sweatshirts everywhere, all over the Tenderloin. And it's how many years has this project been in the works? This project's been in the works about a year and a half. Now, Urban Alchemy itself has been around for about three, four years. I represent the Mid-Market Business Association and Foundation, and we work in partnership uh, with Urban Alchemy to deliver this community-based safety program, uh, basically uh, raising the vibration in the public space, making people feel good, uh, smiling at one each other, and recognizing our shared humanity. Hell yeah! Thank you! Thank All right. you! Yeah, sweet. Urban Alchemy, everybody. Look them up. <laughs> All right. So that was, uh, that was just awesome. this afternoon on, on my way here. That's awesome. That's positive. It was super positive, and I was having such a bad day too. I was having such a, I've been in such a poo-poo um, state, and I was just like totally in my own world, and just smoking my cigarette and completely glazed out, just walk, walk, walking, and not thinking at all or looking at anything. And then all of a sudden, I hear this music, and I was just like, "What is going on over there?" And I look across the street, and I was like. Wait a minute, this used to be, it used to be the fence where everyone was just sitting and slamming heroin and it just was not, just not a good place. And now it's, like they said, raising the vibration. It's activated. There was music, there were people, there were families. And um, I was talking to them after the Artie, the guy who founded Ur Urban Alchemy. He was saying that over the weekend... There were families, there was a birthday party, like, and everyone was using the space. And I don't know, I just think it's wonderful that it's the same thing I've been saying before. When we have these empty spaces, like we have all these buildings that don't have housing, and yet we have unhoused people. And we have all of these spaces that were just decrepit parking lots. And it's like, it could be a place for people to be that's safe and give, I mean, because... Anyway, people are out. I'm, so it made me happy. Urban Alchemy, look them up. Improvements. You know, the reason why I, I say that I hope they pay those people really well is not only because they're ex-offenders uh, and what they're, they're, you know, they're trying to make change their life, but having some of the things that they probably have to deal with, you know, while oh you know trying to keep that area for everyone, and that includes questionably housed and all that yeah. but I mean there's also some riffraff that comes with the territory like you know I mean even when I had to do Sunday streets in the tenderloin there were like a couple like maybe three or four incidents there's always somebody who's yeah. gonna even right and we did um, the Castro art corridor and a guy came up and was like screaming mm -hmm. um, and he got really it was, he was obviously having some kind of psychological break. He was screaming about his son being dead or being raped, something terrible. It was just, and there were all these people that were like, we know, we're on stage doing comedy outside and there's people selling art and it's on Castro and Market and and then there's just a screaming person and I had no idea how to de-escalate. I'm not trained in anything like that. Right. But I understand that the skills 
that the Urban Alchemy practitioners, if you've been in jail and you understand unpredictable behavior, you can figure it out on these crazy streets. Yeah. And it's not and it's not that they're I don't think that people are bad people. I think they're just working through stuff. Yeah, I mean the thing is like, you know, you it's when people are being, you know, it's going to escalate and can become volatile. Or if you're smoking, for example, like there is this guy at one of the uh, booths that I was um, uh, helping at the Sunday streets. And he just sets, sits in front of these people's booth and just literally starts smoking crack. Oh, my goodness. You know, and wow. we have to we learned how to de-escalate. And so the lady. What do you say? Can you please? I, Stop. Can you please not smoke crack here? Like, well, I mean, I, I appropriate places. Yeah, over there. Yeah, I mean, because you want to be soft spoken <laughs> and you don't want to be too close. You want to at least have six feet to maintain, just in case. Sure. But you know, and then what? You know, they say you know, don't be too aggressive and what have you. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. The first, first instance. So, so of you shouldn't up, say, stop smoking crack. Right, right, right. So. To be like, please, sir, ma'am. You know, do you? You know, sometimes they'll leave. But then, you know, I, I do believe, listen, I don't care how fucking crazy you are. If you, if I'm trying to be calm and person number five in your head is not getting it, sure. I'm going to have to turn my volume up a little bit. Right. Like right. a school teacher, sure. you know. Because it's can't, stern, get a little more stern. Exactly. And so, you Boundaries. know. Right. And the thing is, you don't ever want to go in combative because you're putting yourself in danger you're putting others in danger and that other person you know they're they're not in the right mind i say there's kids here that's my always my go-to i say oh, there's kids children. i say there's there's kids here it's the same thing things have been crazy lately i oh, saw shoot. a girl giving a hand job on the bus oh, i know and fuck? i know and the bus driver had to stop the bus come around uh, no pun to uh, it. <laughs> Came in through the back door and said, <laughs> "No pun intended." Yeah, <laughs> sorry. The back door, and said, uh, "Hey, we have somebody said there's a lewd. I'm not accusing you of anything, but there are children on this bus, there. and we and we heard that someone came up and said there was a lewd act going over here. I'm not accusing you, just saying there's kids here, and uh, they kind of buttoned up and worked it out. And but it was like, what is happening up? Here's another incident, and I didn't know how to deal with this. This happened yesterday on the bus. People were just." A lot of people are having a lot of strife right now. Mm -hmm. And yep. we'll this, get into that. this one person was like laying down and kind of like sleeping on the bus. And there were a lot of people, but they were clearly, they weren't bothering anyone. They were just taking up two seats. And this other guy, this very entitled older white man, yeah. starts in and says, how dare you? How dare you sleep like that? How rude you are. How disgusting. How little responsibility <laughs> you have toward the people around you. This is terrible. And it starts screaming on the bus. So he's yelling at this guy who kind of like gets out of his stupor and he's like, hey man, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. And the guy doesn't stop. You drug using freak, blah, blah, blah. Keeps going, going, going. So then this other person joins in and says, hey man, do you, can we can we just take it down a little bit? And he goes, I'll say whatever the fuck I want, whatever the fuck I want to say it. So now this white guy is blowing up on See, the bus. And too, another mm -hmm. guy is like, hey man, you got to calm it down. And then a guy from the back gets up and he's like, come on, man. So now we've got the one person is still peacefully <laughs> sitting there like crying, like just sitting there like sleeping with his like, heroin just... stupor. And we've got white guy yelling, 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 yelling. We've got guy in the front trying to calm it down, but making it worse. And now the guy in the back stood up and it's just like, 
pandemonium. What's going to happen? So this little tiny blonde woman jumps in from the back and she's like, don't you get involved. Don't you get involved. This is not our fight. This is not us. And she rings the court and she like gets this guy who'd stood up off the bus. And then they're off the bus. One more stop goes. White guy gets off the bus. Uh, and then it was just the guy who was sleeping went back to sleep. <laughs> like laid down again. Unnecessary drama. The whole, it was like, do people just want to yell at each other today? Is that what's happening? Listen, like, listen, I've <laughs> learned from years of living in urban dwelling and taking public transportation. Listen, I know rush hour. First of all, you're always going to run into someone unfortunately passed out on a train or a bus. I learned this in my Chicago days. Leave them the fuck alone. Leave them alone. Leave them the fuck alone. Now, it is different if you are awake, you have your bag on the second seat. Sure. You know, where I've been like, excuse me, is anyone Is your bag here? a princess? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's different. But I am not. I've just learned. I'm going to leave that person alone. Here's how I learned that lesson in San Francisco. When I first moved to the Tenderloin in 2008... I was walking up Leavenworth, and it was right right before Geary, and there was a person underneath a um, rug carpet blanket. You know what goes underneath carpets? That weird blankety stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I have it like the kind of spongy. Spongy yeah. weirdness. So they're like sort of wrapped up in it. Oh, that's and, warm. And, and they, and, but it was hot out. Oh. Okay. And they looked dead. Their eyes were closed, but I couldn't tell if they were breathing. And I was very concerned. Oh, they were laying down. They were laying down, wrapped up in this thing. And it was in a weird position where they were like, they were in, I thought they were dead. Mm. So I went up to them and I, I I said, excuse me, excuse me, are you? And I kind of like tapped them with my foot, (laughs) which was probably not the best thing to do. And then person woke up and exploded on me. And was like, I'm fucking sleeping. And I was like, I am so sorry. I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. I thought he was dead. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, going I'm not beating him. No, I was like, I just, I thought he was dead. I was just checking. And people were like, what? And he was very mad. And then I like ran up the street. And I was the time I learned, just leave him alone. Yeah. Just leave him alone. I mean, I've, I mean, I've been, there was an incident. This is, oh God, this is probably like back in 2018 when, um, there was almost a fight on the train, but again, crowded on the train. Um, and you know how it's crowded and you kind of brush up against people and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, you know, it's some, some people are going to be say, excuse me, what have you. This one lady, this white lady says, excuse me. And this brother gets all right. Fuck you, bitch. Blah, blah, blah. And oh. I'm like, what the fuck? And he was like that to everybody that hopped on the, on the train. Right. T train. As a matter of fact, that's slow shit. And everyone that came, he wanted to curse at somebody. Uh, and he cursed at uh, this older lady. And at that point, mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, brother, why don't you stop cursing at people? Mm-hmm. It's crowded. We're all crowded here. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to, do you want to give, so he says, basically, he was trying to like, you know, get up in my face. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. Blah, blah. And then this other sister stands up. And she's like, nah, nigga, you've been talking this shit the whole time this train has been going. You've been there. And I'm like, sis, it ain't worth it. It ain't, he crazy. And he's like calling all of us bitches and hoes. And I'm just like, fuck, this, this dude is mental as F. 
And so he's like, I got three jobs and I got a Benz. And I'm like, well, where's your car at then? Why yeah, are you why driving it? And I'm like, this, and this is when you just have to <laughs> shut the fuck up, Toya, because this person is crazy. Sure, sure, sure. But, you know, I mean, there was one time I got an orange thrown at me by some miners <laughs> and I almost chased them again on the T-bus or on the T-train. Uh, and I was like, Marcus, my partner, was like, don't, you can't go after them, they're miners. Literally threw an orange at me, hit me right on my forehead. Oh. Motherfuckers. I, I, ooh, I can't. Ooh. See, I, I never know how to deal with conflict. I usually just ignore and walk away. I, 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 because every time I do get involved, it never turns out well. I, I always end up looking like the crazy person. Anytime that I actually engage in conflict, I, it, it's not a good look for me. It, it really isn't. It comes off as, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have a terrible personality. Um, I would love, I have a lot of anger issues. Most of them derive from that. I don't feel like I can engage in conflict. And I feel that when injustices happen to me, I want, I have an impetus deep inside myself to rectify. I want, I don't want revenge. I want to rectify the wrong right. if I felt wronged. And what I've realized is that I don't, I just don't get to do that. <laughs> so I can't, there's nothing, even, even when I like passive aggressively write shit on uh, hyperbolically, I did, I was very hyperbolic today, but when I'm super exaggerated and super passive aggressive, or even actively aggressive on it. it never turns out good like it's it start i think like oh this is going to be good and then i'm like oh fuck i that don't wasn't so i hard. i really i don't like conflict i try to avoid it as much as possible hence why in certain situations in a especially in a professional dwelling i use sarcasm mm -hmm. but there is one thing that will get me off my square especially when i'm not in a professional dwelling like i don't like rudeness I don't like unnecessary rudeness mm -hmm. or I don't like when, for example, I'm sure I'm only five, three. So if you step on me knowing that you're taller and you don't acknowledge my presence and that's point blank, like point blank period. Mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't like that. That It really gets me off my square because it's rude. Okay, so, it, so examples, let's say okay, you're, for, you're on the bus and I, someone comes in with a dog in a, laundry basket and they sit next to you and they keep bumping you with the dog in the laundry basket and they don't say sorry that's 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 different because it's on the bus because it's on the bus i got it uh the other night when i was at uh at the i went to a gay ball and so, yeah so everybody was do, like doing like are, are you familiar with like pose the show sure sure yeah. sure, sure. So the, it's it was, um it's whatever they are there they do the what's it yes, called vogue it was like a voguing and we did runway and stuff they're like that. they're in families yeah and they call it a the house of right 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 yeah. right 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 so we had an event like that in the bayview at the the Bayview Opera House on Saturday fun and so I participated too hell yeah but there was some queens, and when I mean queens, some divas mm. that think that just because you are part of the runway, sweetheart, you get to step on people. Oh, fuck no. As we're waiting in line for our turn to go down the runway, I had this tall mother sucker who had, I noticed he had been doing this all night, just pushing into people and just, and I'm like, oh, oh excuse me, uh, excuse me, I'm I'm here. Right. And he's like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. This is my physical presence here. I, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you've been doing that all night. I've been watching you. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a check moment. Sure. Where I'm just like, 
I'm checking you because you don't be stepping on people. Acknowledge someone's presence. I don't know who raised you, but I'm going to raise you today. <laughs> you do not be stepping on people. Like, literally shove. Sure, step. sure, sure, sure. Like, you know. Not even metaphorically, but literally. Literally, yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the thing is, like, you know you're stepping on my feet. Yeah. You know you're knocking. You know there's something right here. Yeah, we're, I mean, even if you have huge fake boobs in, you can still feel if you're pumping yeah, into somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why I you're always still- make sure like if I'm in a crowded space that's one thing I've never dropped is to acknowledge someone's presence excuse me I'm sorry yeah thank you hi you're welcome I also take off my backpack because it makes me Uh a smaller person if you're on if you're in a crowded space or a public (laughs) space and you leave your backpack on you're taking up more space just Take it off and put it by your feet. That's a bit controversial here. Really? It is. There's a bit. I remember I years think it's ago. Manners. I yeah. I I remember reading a story about six seven years ago here about techies and their backpacks on public transportation. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't get it until I started taking public transportation more. Right. And especially at rush hour, because someone's backpack is a whole person yeah, that big. is blocking. Yeah. And I've been hit in the face mm-hmm. with someone's backpacks pulled, bulging out. Yep. And that don't feel so good. No. When people, when they don't think that the, how much extra space it really takes and then they have, they'll bump into you, hit you in the face, Ooh. getting up, turning around. It's like, but that's the thing that are we, cause we're from a similar generation. Were we just raised with manners and understanding? Like I used to make a joke with a friend and I said, oh, she only has a two foot radius <laughs> and that she can only understand and see things that are right in <laughs> front of her. But now I feel like a two foot radius is pretty fucking good. If you can keep a two foot radius and not bump into people and not be, that's, that's actually not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, yeah, I, I mean, wish people would do that and realize here's myself in space and feel what is around them when you're moving through space. And I, I, a lot of it is maybe that we're just so distracted now. People are looking at their phones. They're listening to a thing. Right. And they're just not. Is that what manners? It, manners are concern for other people in a social. And yourself. Construct. It, yeah. To me, it, it, it goes back to the do unto others as one would do unto you. Sure. Mentality. Like yeah. you wouldn't want someone stepping on your shoes right. and stepping on you, climbing on you like you're some kind of like jungle gym. Sure. You know, and you know, because I, I, I feel like I don't want to be treated like that and I don't would never want to treat someone like that. So please. Yeah. And so that's why I love, I do like checking people who are rude sometimes like that who are not insane by the way you got to be cautious yeah just be cautious well i mean (laughs) and i i think i need to start thinking in that jesus-y term again do unto others idea because i realized i was like i heard i heard some shit talking lately about me and um i was like ah fucking people talking shit about me but then i realized Man, I talk more shit than anybody. <laughs> like you can say any person and I will and a lot of them like I'll talk shit but nice shit. Like I, I do. I talk about people a lot and I realize I was like, oh my God, like every time I point out that someone else is a gossipy little cunt, I'm like, that's me. Like I'm the worst. And I recently realized that I was like, I and I talk mad shit. Like, yeah, it it's I, I get excited about it too. It's um terrible. But it's because they've when 
I have visceral feelings about people. I want to share those. And when I also superly enjoy someone's presence and respect them so much, I do the same thing. I just, in the opposite way, I like right. slob. All, I'm like, they're amazing in the bubbles. And I go on and on and on about how fantastic I think they are. But then the flip side is, I talk to mad shit. That, there's nothing wrong but with that. But it's true. It, it the thing is, and I would say it to their face too. Because <laughs> I you would. have. Because <laughs> I have. And I do. Yes. And it's a, not a good look. But <laughs> I mean, it's what I'm doing. But what, I'm going to change now. Suddenly, that's the thing is people know who I am. I'm not going to suddenly come out as some fucking Pollyanna. <laughs> we know, we know that I'm a opinionated cunty bitch and I don't have a problem saying whatever to anybody my pro my thing is listen if you're gonna talk shit stand in your shit that's all sure. that that all that's all that matters because there is nothing worse than a two-faced person mm. that will be like no I didn't say or I'll no like, I didn't mean yeah, it that did. wait wait I didn't mean it that way I'm like you know you full of shit <laughs> like yeah. you know just stand it and it's like yeah I did say that I've got I've gotten that where you call them out See, that's why I love to do things written. I prefer to, if I have a grievance with somebody and I want to bring it up, I prefer to have it in the written modality because you I have, have time to, to craft it. And it's actually what I mean. When I'm in the moment and I get heated, man, I won't remember what the fuck I'm saying either. I just, <laughs> it's just words. It's just, it's just fiery words that just come from my mouth hole. And it's not, and they're mean and not pretty. But when I type it down... I can actually like call people on their shit and be like, you did it. I, I understand your, mo you, you trying to tell me that those were your motives. Bullshit. This, this is, this is what was happening. She's sending you a four page letter. No, not that much. And she'll seal it with a fuck you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write that much. Cause I don't think that anybody would actually read that much. I think their attention spans are far too short. And, but I've also realized there's really no point in bringing grievances to to a person and I don't know people hang out with the people they want to hang out with they're around the people they want to be around if people don't want to be around don't be around the mm -hmm. only thing for me that has been getting a little sticky is that I have there's a kind of a list of people that I choose not to make eye contact with and oftentimes Ooh. we're in the same show but they don't say hi to me either so I had a, I was on a show last Sunday with a guy who doesn't interact with me but I don't interact with him either. And it, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm not gonna make a move and neither is he. So, no, 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 it's just a different one. It's a bald one, but, um, which lowers the list down shade. a little bit. Um, but, I mean, no, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's just the way I would describe him. <laughs> that he happens to have no hair, which is fine. I don't disparage bald men. I, I think some bald men are very sexy. And some um, look like penises. And some are just mean and don't want to be. And But the, it's not my business to mend that bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, but what am I? I don't even know what I would be apologizing. I would, oh, the only way to do it would be like to confront him and make everyone awkward and say, hey, like, why do you fucking hate me so much? Is there a reason? Did I do something to you? Yeah, when did I, like, when did I wrong did you I, so egregiously? When did I shit on your birthday cake? Let yeah, me did know. I? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember when the moment was that you decided that you hated me, but I'm just sort of going with it because I don't know what else to do. Like, is that what you say to a person? That, that's the thing is I don't even want, that's the kind of, I don't even want to bring up confrontation like that. So I'm not going to say that. Yeah. It's like, 
We both happen to be on this show. I'm not going to interact with you. You don't interact with me. All right. That's what I do when I don't like you. I pretend that you're dead to me. Right. I play that game. Because I'm like, why am I just going to, every time I see this person, waste my energy? And you know, you know the tense, the intensity that's in that room. Well, and the thing is, here's, here's the thing. When I walked into the show on Sunday, I walk in, I see that person at the bar. They're there first. There's another comic next to them. That comic doesn't, I'm walking in the room. That person chose not to greet me. I'm not going to greet them. You were there first. Mm -hmm. Like when someone walks in the door, you greet them. Mm -hmm. I was greeted by Connor Lonsdale when I walked in, but not by this comic. So I'm not going to, if I walk in a room and someone doesn't greet me and they don't give me the time of day, then, and don't then, waste then your time. I know that I know that I'm not supposed to pay attention to that person. Yeah. All right, fine. Exactly. That's how. Like, why am I? I'm not going to suck up to you. We don't like each other. We already know that. So why, I, I, I'm too real to be fake for the bullshit. And maybe, maybe sh- should I? Like, is that no, what everybody else no, does? No. That they just go, no. hi. Oh my no. god, it's so good to see That's you. What shows are you doing right now? Pam, what shows are you on? <laughs> don't, don't keep doing what you're doing. The yeah. I don't care, Pam. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, that's, I, listen, it's the same method I I do. And listen, I haven't got punched in the face yet. Yeah. So, Fair. that's knocking on wood. <laughs> I know. Well, and this month I have some, I have some big shows. I've actually been booked on some, I was finally booked on Best of SF. For, and, and I'm really, really excited. And thank, thank you. It was Dan, Dan Lewis pushed and pushed and pushed for me. I love Dan Lewis. He's so in my corner and I really appreciate him. Um, but he pushed and pushed and so I'm on that show. So, you know, I'm going to knock it out of the park. Like every show I have, because I did all the work last month, right? 77 sets in in 30 days. 30 days. Oh. So, and the average was seven minutes per set. And uh, so I'm fresh. I've got all these new jokes. I've got 10 minutes. I know how to deal with audiences of like, and and I mean, dear God, Roe v. Wade was overturned. But I was just going to get yes, into that. But thank God my abortion material is finally relevant. Like, <laughs> right? God. But that's the thing. All these other comedians have to scramble now to get abortion jokes. Man, I got 12 motherfucking minutes of abortion Dude, jokes. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You could do a whole, like, TikTok and then some. I on... could do... Well, I'm thinking about talking to Narl because they're the pro-life... Pro-choicers. Pro, pro, pro yeah. uh, and uh, and they have a... Uh, an office on Vanette, South Venice. And I'm going to ask them, I'm going to send them a little email and be like, let's do a comedy benefit thingy, something. Yeah. Because, man, I got abortion jokes. Like, and it would be, they'd be a perfect audience. I We need to laugh right now because yesterday I was <gasps> crying. So I was, scary. I was literally crying. Like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, like, I on and off, and then I was hate-tweeting, and then, like, after I got finished running, still hate-tweeting. There you go. And then getting emotional, reading all these articles, and then also thinking of the fact that this also sets precedent to other things that can be overturned. Absolutely. Such as gay marriage. Sure, sure. Last month, there was um, one of the senators out of Indiana was talking about uh, making states' rights for interracial marriage. What? Clarence Thomas, you're out of there. Uh, but, and then, I mean, they're, they're thinking exactly. all so, well, Why not just bring the sodomy laws back? I mean, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and then, I mean, how about the 14th Amendment? I'm, I mean, hey. 
if you're good, it just seems like how about women's suffrage like but, why why do we let women vote why do we let if you know what if the if the white men are going to take over why not just completely take over take away the apartheid. vote from everybody except for white male landowners straight yeah. white straight male landowners and uh and let's just throw it back to no i'm obviously being hyperbolic which is like the word of the day Woo. um but no the abortion it's 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 crazy it's sick it's uh, our women's rights are women. I guess women aren't people. And, and it's just crazy, too, because it's that person. It's that woman that they I had that joke about. Oh, I thought that I had a really painful period. Oh, I thought I aborted the ghost of Scalia. But no, the entire Supreme Court is still inside my uterus. But that's the thing. I, the ghost of Scalia came back as a Supreme Court judge. Now, Amy she was Co- his Amy Conan Barrett. Yeah. Amy Conan Barrett, she was she was his she was his intern or whatever. She was his legal aide. I don't know what they're called back in the day, but she worked for Scalia. And now, and Roe v. Wade was just overturned. Like, we didn't think that was going to happen. I don't mean to be like a Nostradamus or whatever, but we said it. We said it. We said it two years or a year ago when they elected her. Or didn't elect her, just appointed her. Appointed her. But we talked about this even in the late years of Obama's administration. When we talked... This, if you, if guys, if you go back to our podcast from 2015 and 16, yeah. we were, we were on, we hit the the nail in, in the coffin already about this, saying that there needs to be something. There needs, they're they're really pushing for it. Like almost every week or every other week, we abortion gets into our news and we talk about it, and we've been giving these warning signs for. How years. as long as years, yeah, yeah. and the thing is, I'm more mad. See, the thing is, we knew what the Republicans were going to do, we yeah. knew that. Okay, they are who they are. It's the Democrats that I'm really more pissed off about. How did they let this happen? This goes back. <laughs> I'm not the thing is, thank you. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. They've been ever since the Nixon administration, oh, God. The, the Republicans have been trying to roll back abortion since Roe v. Wade. And it's because so, it's a moral, they're, they're yeah. standing on it from a moralistic viewpoint. And what? if we go back to the separation of church and state, there shouldn't be anything moral about, or maybe everything is moral. Because then our human rights morality, taking no. rights away from women is not a moral choice. They're, yeah, the, their definition is freedom is their personal freedom, not anyone else's. So meaning they don't know what the definition of freedom is. Right. And plus, I noticed they threw away the small government thing that the Republicans used to have as oh, a tagline. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, are we look, I'm, small government's in my womb right now. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, ever since I started voting in 2000, the first when my vote was stolen, abortion was an issue. Yeah. In yeah. 2004, yeah. what was an issue? Gay rights and abortion yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. on and so on. So this is not a new thing. And this is what I'm pissed off about, that the, the Democrats have been sleeping on this topic yeah. since I started voting 20 years ago. Yeah. And it goes even further than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, Roe v. Wade was 1974, and I often joke that I was a choice. Um <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I don't, they, they chose me. I, I don't know why they don't want me anymore, but I, but they chose me. Um, but now in my life is 47 years ago and we've, it was 47, almost 50 years ago and we haven't progressed. We were rolling it back. The, the, Gloria Steinem isn't dead, but she is tap dancing on her fucking coffin right now. And she knows Gloria Steinem actually she was a tap dancer too, which yes, it, it makes it yeah. makes me very happy because I also tap dance. But um, 
Gloria Steinem, all these women, they worked so hard. And what happened? Was it us Gen Xers that were lazy and let it go? Was it the millennials that don't give a fuck? How did we, how did we fool everyone into not giving a shit about women and their rights? I think it is, um, I blame both parties, of course. Um, I blame the evangelicals hmm. that has put this propaganda in people's, especially their people's mind, sure. do, by making false, horrible, like they don't know anything about science because they think the first time of conception is there, there's a baby, which well, is not... Like the science is all wrong completely. They started doing this. I blame the Heritage Foundation. I blame Reagan. I blame all those people that started the ball ro rolling with these talking points that were that they're using to this very day. Sure. And why can't men just be responsible and wear condoms? We need night condoms because uh, there's all kinds of ways to not get pregnant unless 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 women don't have rights and you just want to keep them pregnant all the time because it'll shut they them the fuck up. Unless you're going back to Nietzsche who says that every problem that man has derives from woman and every problem woman has can be solved with one answer pregnancy it's in fucking Nietzsche they were talking about it 150 years ago 200 years ago is the only way to shut these bitches up is to make them be pregnant and have them reproduce but but then the men that don't want we put this fake morality oh men are supposed to commit to the women and they get married and it's for the man and the woman. men no they're dogs all of them they're not going to stay with a woman a piece of paper doesn't help it then they just cheat on her and lie to her there is no morality because sometimes all the republicans that are so moral are cheating with exactly. men in fucking bathrooms in what senators are hooking up with glory hole dudes in fucking ah. we, so where is the fucking morality you assholes is it just to control women it's control and we did a story about four years ago about one of these republican congressmen who had his uh, mistress get an abortion <laughs> who was pro-life that's, I mean, wow, and that's yeah. the thing that the whole party is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Mm. But the thing is, this we know what this is about. It's only it's about control. It's about <laughs> this is how stupid they are with science. It's about getting the white population back, which is not going to happen. You guys, they but really why? think why? They, they, because they think that the black and brown people are going to take over and enslave them. They really think that this is going to happen, that we're going to do okay. what they did to what you guys did to us which what is, they're afraid of it's this is the whole thing it's, it's what my dad told me when i was little republicans are people with money that. that want to keep their money and democrats are people that want to take republicans money and give it to poor people now here's the thing i'm a socialist weirdo we can all just like urban alchemy why can't we all be better why why do some people require so much how empty and horrible are you that you need that much money to fill your you need that many status symbols you need that special car you need all of these things to what to show your value as a person monetarily do we believe in human intrinsic value or is it truly money i see in america it is money money is what gives people value it doesn't matter you could be the shittiest comedian in the world but if you're rich you could do everything and everyone will love you like all you need is money yeah i mean we're living i mean my other thing was this what this does it hurts poor and lower middle class and middle class women mostly mm. brown indigenous mm. and black women uh, so then the thing is here's another thing i'm getting tired of some of you brothers and you uh 
men of color who are yay pro-life when motherfucker you know you go around spreading your seed all over the place <laughs> y'all you know what clap to it because yeah, I need you oh raw dog raw dog yeah and here's the thing being proud yeah. of each other fucking high-fiving yeah they're high-fiving but they ain't gonna be high-fiving when that, that guy to take their ass to court for that child support so keep on high-fiving y'all <laughs> because y'all gonna make the courts busy than a motherfucker yeah there I, you go. I mean the thing is it is I've been reading comments by certain men that say that, oh, well, so women use abortion as birth control. No, we don't. No, no one first, wants to get an nobody abortion. Nobody wants to. And first of all, and then I'm tired of the government paying for abortions. The federal dollars do not go to abortion, you fucking morons. Yeah. Read a fucking book. Yeah. What is going on is public woman's health yeah. is not going to be there for poor lower middle class women which is so scary because these non-condom wearing assholes are going to give everyone chlamydia that, i mean there's that too where, where are you going to go where, where are you going to get your family planning where are yeah. you going to get your std tests well, and, pap smears ooh, mammograms here's back to the republican thing i feel like rich people and republicans when they look at poor people they feel like they somehow deserve it <laughs> like no they've done something and they deserve it they're you're poor because you did something wrong. You're, you live in this particular place because you live on the street. There are things that, whereas instead of victimizing and, and blaming like the person who's, there, there's no like, and it doesn't even have to be a, a hand, what is so wrong with a hand up? And I, people don't, I don't know, being poor is not a sin, but I feel like it's so looked at like you know they that's what because that's the republican party what's that's what they do but the democrats ain't doing any better i mean unfortunately maybe it's the jesus thing that because jesus people are rich they feel like but they're a wolf and sheep's poor people they're doing everything all the teachings against what jesus would right because poor people only the poor will inherit the kingdom of heaven right they don't read they they don't read the bible they only pick and choose sure sure i mean and that's the thing what we're living in is the new gilded age yeah 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 i mean we're totally you mentioned the gilded age a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i've been thinking about that and that was one of the things i thought about our conversation that we had a couple weeks ago when you were talking about the tv show but also with this there's a lot of class warfare going on and this yeah. with this with the roe v wade possibly getting overturned Oof. that's also that that just shows part of the gilded well, age that we're in and it it, it maintains and and pushes the divide between the haves and the haves nots. This is an interesting story of the Vanderbilts from 1906. They had a party in, um, and I can't remember what hotel it was in New York, but there were 400 guests and each plate, basically it was $2,000 a person, which in these days would be millions. So it was 400 times 2,000, which is $800,000. Almost a million Almost a million for the party. So that in each... The, 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 I saw a picture of it. The um, the menu was hand engraved on a silver plate, so it was a silver. So on everyone's seat, oh. there were live swans. They had they had swans in the center of the entire engagement um, for the dinner, and the, but the menu is printed. It's all hand etched on silver to take away. It's like whoa, what? 
But that, the crazy thing is, is that $2,000 at the time, there were people that were making $10 a month that were starving. And you have someone, so much extravagance to spend $2,000 a person for a party is just... It's, I'm looking it was for the, pictures. the height of the Gilded Age. I, I'm totally looking for the... Um, I saw originally saw them in my... So I have these Time Life... I have the entire collection of Time Life cookbooks from the 60s and 70s. They put out this huge thing. And one of them... I, I, have, the, I have the pictures. I'll bring it next time. It's unbelievable. That's... See, and that's what we live in. And that's mm -hmm. funny. And what also made me think of the Gilded Age was... So this past weekend... There was the Met Gala. Oh. Uh, and and the theme was the Gilded Age. Oh, wow. And what Did people wear bustles? I love yeah, bustles. I didn't look at, because I, I'm so disgusted by a lot of that shit nowadays. Mm. Because a lot of us are, there's too many of us struggling. Like, that shit when I was, like, in, in my teens and 20s was like, oh, nice dress. Ooh. But now looking at it, I'm like... This is the same night as the whole thing with Roe v. Boy came out. Isn't that funny? Wow. I mean, these things coincide for a reason. My conspiracy hat was tingling a sure. little bit. Well, maybe here's the thing, though. Those powerful people go to the Met. Hillary oh? Clinton was there. with a, On her dress, she had Shirley Chisholm and other people. Girl, you better take Shirley Chisholm off your dress, bitch. Hillary, come on now. I, I'd like to see Hillary in a bustle. Um, I, maybe if they bring back corsets, um, we don't have to have abortions because you just make the corset so tight that the baby can't crush grow. Yeah, you just crush that thing and you just sort of self-abortion. You know, but just if we, I mean, maybe that's... big shove down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. So first, so here's the thing, ladies. They're rolling back our rights, so let's really grab on with both hands and throw it back. Let's bring back the corset and throwing downstairs, like as a as a method, you know. So if if it does happen, just go to your local, like I don't know, Claire's boutique. Who sells corsets uh, now? Leather can, shop. You can go to uh, Victoria's Secret. Go to Victoria's you, Secret. Like, you, there you go. Or waist trainers. That's also Ooh. too. We, Corsets of race traders if you want to squeeze, squeeze the life out in. of you, literally. Sure, squeeze the <laughs> life, life out, out of you. you. Yeah, that's like Spanx. <laughs> That'd be so funny if Spanx makes a new version that's extra super tight for squeezing the life out of you. That's great. But that's kind of scary because I see that happening. Because not only do I see that, but I see I'm, I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about girls younger than me uh younger girls and younger women eating tide pods to get rid of babies well i was going to, <laughs> i was i was going to see i was going to say something yeah. kind of similar yeah. but to the point where people most women now the way they get you know the procedure is mostly by the pill form mm. what's going to happen is there's going to be a black market oh. i think for that kind of stuff Okay, and that's real. That's what I'm afraid of. Right. And then that could get laced with fentanyl and everybody dies. Something, <laughs> no, I'm, you're not far off. I didn't even think about the fentanyl part, but you. Uh, but there is going to be a market. There for, absolutely will be. And I'm scared for that because there are going to be desperate uh, women who are going to be out there. And there's going to be rumors like if you douche with, with bleach... You can, that's right? That's, that's what. No, can you imagine oh all of the ridiculous? Like, if there were kids eating Tide Pods for no reason, mm. 
imagine what the imagine what a 15 year old pregnant girl is going to do if it's illegal to and so now she's scared not just to tell her parents but she's scared because it's against the law and people can be fined and what do you do they're going to be doing all kinds of their 15 year old kids are going to be doing all kinds of crazy shit they're going to i don't know take coca leaves and shove it up their twat i don't know what's going to happen yeah but it's going to be dangerous it's going to be really dangerous coca-cola maybe that would be it (laughs) douching with coca-cola leave it in there you put the bottle in sit upside down and then hold it in there for 30 minutes Ah, i'm just making this up because i'm just imagining i'm just imagining some 15 year old girl who the guy lied didn't use a condom said he did maybe the condom broke i don't know and then something terrible and then you know there's no benefit for women whose life are at risk mm-hmm. as well as those who are victims of rape oh or God, incest or molestation yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's be, that's yeah. and I'm, I, I'm honestly getting a visual of that 13 year old girl as you're you know you're talking and i'm getting a visual of a 15 year old who is scared who is probably molested or raped and doesn't know what to do. Doesn't know who to talk to. Can't go to school. They have no resources. Right. Because it's illegal and it's against the moral. When did we get all this moral? So then give everyone chastity belts. Kids are going to fuck. That's what they do. Now, I didn't because my parents like fucking tra- scared me. Like, dear, dear God. Um, but the kids, kids have sex. That's what they do. And if you make it... And if... And if you don't have access to condoms and you don't, and there's, ah. It's, it's, it's a dangerous game that they're playing dangerous. with. And, and by the way, I, it just, I'm, you women who vote for this, who vote this way, mm. who vote against your interests. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, you played yourself. And I'm talking to you white suburban women, you 53% women that vote Republican that voted for Trump this past election. You and in 2016 and who voted for W. I'm talking to you bitches. It's because they're rich and they don't care. They want to keep their money. They don't care about the rights of people because they have enough money. Here's the thing. Abortions don't affect rich people because no matter what, rich people will always be able to get abortions. Rich people can always do whatever the fuck they want. They can have islands. They can fuck children. They can... Kill people, have people killed. They can do whatever they want. It, it. Trump had that thing. I could stand in the middle of Times Square and shoot somebody, and I'd still be president. And people still love me. Money. The the people, the the bitches that voted for Trump, and the the people that are in that religious right. They, no matter what happens, they still have access to those things. But you have to also. It's not just rich people, rich women that voted for him you have to think in that demographic there's a lot of trailer park ladies that mm. voted for him mm. lower middle class white huh. ladies that vote for them who had two or three jobs mm. uh because you got how many baby daddies and kids mm. um who are also even if you're upper middle class you're gonna have to dig deeper to travel to go get a procedure sure that's a waste of money when you could have went down the street right. i mean there's only so much access i mean unless you're one percent like like you're thinking of yeah they get but the doctor they, to come to the house right right <laughs> we're not talking about them bitches i'm talking yeah. about the bitches who don't have a pot to piss in who barely can survive and who are just comfortable but if i take a thousand dollars out it might set us back for a couple of months yeah 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 so that yeah, would be middle class. Yeah, yeah sure. you know, and you already have kids. Yeah. 
Oh my God. What happens to people that are married that have kids that don't want to have more kids, but they haven't gotten a vasectomy or done any other kind of medical procedure? Just who are cautious. Right. What What happens to married couples in that case? Yeah, because they it happens get, to married couples constantly, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. To people in committed relationships of all kinds. So um, sometimes you're just not ready to... Or you can't expect the response yeah the, exp- the responsibility of a new life and i think that that's the responsible thing to say to say i'm not responsible enough i have that whole joke about it like i'm so lucky that i didn't have any kids i'm not responsible like and if i i am i am responsible enough to have a kid but i don't want one i'd be so i would be so we know what kind of parents be. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, everything would change for me. I wouldn't get to live my life the way that I want. I couldn't be a stand-up comedian and a parent at the same time. There's no, there's no way I could do that. I wouldn't be able to run this station. I wouldn't. I'd have to go get a regular job. I'd have to get childcare. My whole life would be totally different. Also, I'm fucking 47 years old. You want an old lady bringing a little kid? I mean, it's still possible that I can get pregnant. Right. It's still, I mean, I haven't completely gone through menopause. And so, and I'm getting my IUD taken out on June 16th. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it's over time. Like, you're supposed to get them changed or taken out or whatever. And I'm going through menopause anyway, so I was like, yeah, we'll take it out. But that means that... There's Man, a I gotta shot. use condoms. There's a small chance. There's that a small chance. There could be a small Pammy, you know, and that and that's the thing. I mean, because what? Not, Medi-Cal doesn't want to have. I'm on Medi-Cal. If I had a kid, hey America, like, do you wanna? And most states don't have the benefits that we have here uh, with Medi-Cal and yeah. stuff, and that's mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah. Because once here's the problem. You're going to have a lot of unhappy parents and miserable kids yeah. that are going to get psychologically damaged yeah. because that parent did not want them or yeah. that child was thrown and put away in an orphanage because that parent didn't want them. And do you know that you're just or wasn't a bunch ready of, or whatever? Right. Uh, oh, and you're also putting these children, these innocent children who didn't ask to be here. You're throwing to be luck of the draw to get right. adopted sure what? or or to be in a family like for my case i love drinking so i but i wouldn't want to be like a bad alcoholic mom but what if i was that's not good for the kid i mean growing up in a place with the addiction and uh you know just unhealthy selfish behaviors i will i don't make me have a kid. I know. I'm a comedian. I'm selfish. Surprise. Right. Plot twist. I'm selfish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> woo. There's um, too many irresponsible parents out here as it is. Mm. Why force a woman to... I'm not, I don't want to say force her to be irresponsible, but why force her to do something that she knows she's not ready for? Yeah. Yeah. And she knows. And 15-year-old girls? Come on. And, I mean... Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. They, they're 15. They Just because they can have a baby doesn't mean they should. Like, And especially 11-year-olds have periods. Yeah. And so you think an 11-year-old? Can you imagine? No, I, I oh am imagining God. because... No, but if, like you were saying with molestation or incest or rape or some something, if an 11-year-old That's did, a baby. That's, I know, if a baby had a baby. And then, and then it's illegal to... I mean, could you, I mean, let's just walk down this story path for a second. I'm trying to imagine and remember when I was 11. And let's say that a neighbor kid 
did something to me and it and that happened or something which is possible that kind of mm-hmm. stuff happens all the time and then and I'm just a little kid so I don't even know how to deal with that with already what happened touching and things and places and peepees and mm-hmm. so if that happens and I can't even deal with that and then all of a sudden your body is ta- what you're throwing you're a, pre- a child how would you even know to talk to anybody until you were showing because you wouldn't right. even have any context of what was happening because right. they're not teaching sex ed in fourth grade fifth grade right. so that poor kid and then all of a sudden and and then what happens they think they're fat or something and then they find out they're pregnant and then they can't then there's nothing you can do what that <laughs> it's like that's reality that's it's it, it's, it's fucking someone's reality right yeah. now yeah exactly i mean ugh. I mean, you're, it's just, I hate y'all. I really fucking hate y'all. Being a teenager is hard enough. Going through adolescence, but having to be an adolescent mother is uh, a travesty to put that upon a child. I mean, femme side and assaults, especially sexual assaults, are up. Oh, my God. And so, you know... It's just like you never know what could happen to you as a woman just walking down the street. World's going I mean, to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And so for the fact that you, I'm a victim, so you're going to victimize me more. Right? Yeah. And make me have carry this spawn that I'm thinking you're a spawn because this is, you're my rapist baby. Right. What the fuck? Right. Or just having no control or volition over your own future. That's... <sighs> That's awful too. You people make me sick. I know. I can't believe. I, 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 but we knew. We knew when they put that new. And for a woman to turn against us. I'm tired of y'all women. Amy, Amy, Amy. We need to find a. Uh, der- what is a derogatory statement for like a sellout in a woman? You know. Interesting. Yeah. We. I know we have one in the community, which you've heard me say. Sure, sure, but, sure, sure, sure. But for a woman to turn on another who, woman's rights. Who like I know yeah. sellout is just too nice. Yeah. Um. Gotta come uh, up with. Yeah. One. Exactly. Like. I mean, Karen is too easy. Right. You know? Yeah. There's got to be, there's got to be a, because you're also turning against your own cunt. Yes. Your own kind. Your own kind, your own cunt. Cunt kind. Kind cunt. Cunt kind. No, it doesn't work. We'll work on it. Womb we'll, snatcher? Womb snatcher. I don't know. Yeah, just take away, just take away women's volition. It's so great that I, you know, got to go to college and got to have critical thought. Yeah. Only right. to experience the downfall of the uh, women's rights in the United States. Fantastic. Fantastic. So one- glad I actually am smart enough to understand what happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future. Get us back. Shut us up. Get us pregnant. Get us back in the kitchen. Get us out of the workplace. Get us out of the military. Get us silent and docile. Make us sexual objects um, and, and, and owned, you know, uh, pieces of property. <laughs> sexual property yes bring us back take care of us leave us in gilded cages feed us bind our feet please please bind our feet so that we don't have to walk <laughs> we have to be carried about <laughs> so that we can be carried about pregnancy <laughs> machines fuck fuck pregnancy machines because that's because that's what america is saying our value and worth as women are you know what's is, scary though pam yeah. before we end yeah it, it I can't even blame the baby boomer generation. Can't blame anyone older. It's Generation X 
as well as but Amy Coleman Barron's only 47 years yeah, old. Yeah, she's my age. Yeah. What? Um, there's I people my know. age, like Matt Gates yeah. and all those people. Uh -huh. So can't really say, oh, that older generation. No, no. no this is us. This is us. Like it's And it's like, so y'all didn't did y'all not get the memo of how they used to talk about us that long ago and say how you know these kids and they're they're a bunch of slackers that would be your generation sure. and you know deadbeats cannot you know you can't afford you, you're worried about your student loans blah 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 that'd be my generation yet some of these people are parents that are burning books yeah and oh who are who vote for the don't say gay bill and, oh my God. and who vote against or who are for uh overturning roe v wade these are people of my generation and your generation I, that are that pushing bitch? their morals upon the rest of us and they go you gross you weird hippie ketamine doing butt play weirdos <laughs> out there and say porn watching Free thinking, I want liberals. I want to know what tards. I want to know what they were doing in two thousand four. <laughs> well, clearly not butt play. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Uh, well, this has been another super fun uh, and interesting and interesting. <laughs> yeah, some call me Tim slash Altacast. And uh, we, we, we got through all the... I'm glad we started out with some happy stuff about San Francisco at the top. Yeah, and that's really cool. The, what is it, the Alchemy? Um, it, Urban Alchemy. Albert, Al, Urban Alchemy. Yeah. Alchemy. The, Alchemy is like, the, is, that, is like that wizarding word for changing trees. spaces. And um, like uh, some people would say that my pot baking is alchemy. Uh -huh. You know, it's like transforming things. Beautifying. Yeah. Tr uh, transformational. But... Urban Alchemy is, they're great. And if you see them in the mid-market area, they'll say hello to you and they're nice. It's really impressive. They're good people. And uh, I'm, I had no idea they were all ex-cons, but I love it even more. I don't, mm -hmm. I think that people have intrinsic value. That, like, it's one of my, oh geez, you know, I don't mean to throw it back to philosophy and anything and the deep Greeks. And I know they weren't talking about women, they were talking about men, but we either truly believe that people have intrinsic value because they are here and because they are alive or we don't value that and we're just selfish assholes so care for your fellow man i guess and uh please do whatever you can to let's try not to get roe v wade overturned i know yeah. it's probably going to overturn anyway because uh, the supreme court yeah but um vote make your voice loud protest scream and shout because this is don't get it twisted y'all gay marriage is next sure absolutely it's 100 percent true yeah i that's mean what they'll, absolutely that's i think they'll I, overturn next i think i said this earlier this year <gasps> what if they decrim what if pot is somehow what if they super criminalize pot again Ciao. I am at these. That's where I know it. This, I know gay marriage is more important. No, than no, me but that, weed, you but just got me scared. Too. Yeah. <laughs> all those steps forward we made. Yeah, if, if all for forty-seven <laughs> years of stepping forward and giving women choice, if we can re-roll that right back, imagine what else can re-roll right back. Right. 
right back. Segregation, guys. This Brown versus Board of Education. I mean, I, I we s- could return. We could overturn all kinds of things. Exactly. I I said uh, in one of my uh, twitters, I was like saying that this is Jim Crow peeking its head around the corner. Hell yeah, it totally is. Mm-hmm. So you hit yep, spot on. Pam. It, it, once they once they take away once once we have rights and they start rolling them back, and they already did this with. Um, the Homeland Security stuff. All mm-hmm. of it. So many of our rights have already been rolled back. And if they continue to do this, hey, everybody, you said, you know what? You, with Trump, you said make America great again. And uh, when was America great? Was that when it was segregation? <laughs> is that seriously what you're saying? Was it the 50s? Was it that generation? You want to roll it back? That's what you want to do? You want to have... I don't even think they want it back to the 50s because at least white people had suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even want that anymore. Yeah. Y'all can't even, we can't even get a livable wage. That's absolutely Gilded true. Gilded age. Exactly. And when somebody's making, someone's spending $2,000 on dinner and someone's making $10 a month. That's, that's where that's we're all, at. That's, we need to change our priorities. Child. <sighs> like Urban Alchemy. Changing, they've changed the way the space is. They're changing the space. We can all change the space together. So um, that's a positive thing to end on. Hey, go see some comedy this week. Um, especially next Wednesday. Asiento is no longer. They have renovated. They are rebranded. Debbie's still involved. She's okay. a co- she has a co-owner, okay. Sven. Okay. So there's, they're rebranded. They are now called Madam Racecar. Oh, that's sexy. Love it, right? Madam Racecar, and we have our first, we're not going to be doing weeklies outdoor anymore. We're moving inside. Ooh, fancy. They have a stage. It's going to be a real show. Uh, and it's going to be second Wednesdays of the month at Madam Racecar. Inside, you don't have to get dinner. It's just drinks and comedy. It's going to be great. So um, the inaugural show is next Wednesday, May 11th. So get your tickets now. They're free. And it's going to be great. Go check out Madam Racecar on 21st and Bryant. That's going to be next Thursday. This Saturday, as always, well, tom- I mean, not this Thursday, Barra Dolores, uh, special guest Mauricio, because it's Cinco de Mayo. That's another free ticket. It's Yay. 8 o'clock. Uh, Friday here at 6 o'clock is happy hour. Just an open mic, but a lot of fun. Come on by. Saturday, 2 o'clock at Atlas. Incredible sandwiches. Really delicious pizzas. I got the prosciutto pizza last week top notch but the bacon turkey avocado holy crap so good uh but the comedy is also really funny and it's outside in the sunshine it's a good time uh and then tuesday at emperor norton's booze land at eight o'clock or 7 30 i believe it's 7 30 uh there is uh an asian american fundraiser for mutiny radio so it's all asian american comedians upstairs at booze land 7.30. Tickets are $15, but all of the comedians have generously donated their time so that money all goes to the station. So go get your tickets on Eventbrite for Tuesday, 7.30, Boozland. It's going to be a great time. Oh, I got a couple of plugs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, it's a Happy Asian and Pacific Islander Month as yeah. well. And then uh, tonight um, at SF Standard, uh, Ben Fong Torres... If you're not familiar, he is one of the original writers and editors of Rolling Stone magazine. 
And so he's going to be at uh, SF Standard tonight from just 6 to 8 p.m. talking about stories and showing photos of, like, Bay Area musicians. So he's been a staple here since the freaking 60s, y'all. That's so, amazing. So, and are they still doing – They have, that's an amazing space. And yeah, they have drinks salon. and stuff. Yeah. Did they, like, last time they were pouring – awesome wine i was on a sober night so i didn't get to indulge but i was like oh my god this winery is amazing it is a woman-owned winery oh grotto wine and i was like damn girl this is and it was the one night that i was one of the one nights i wasn't drinking you'll be back to have i'll be i'll be back but um they were they're sf standard check them out and uh check out all their news venues they're on everything and i keep seeing them all over facebook which is great but they're on all the media Mm -hmm. so like them on the instas and follow them and like us at mutiny radio mutiny radio SF, I believe, is our... Mutiny Radio SF, sorry. Is our thing. Yeah, definitely do that. And, uh, yeah, go see some comedy. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Get your life. Hell yeah.
and he lived in a hovel in a little town in Persia. He had a wife and son, but not enough food in the house to keep a mouth alive. You never give me my money. You only give me your sympathy. Cause I keep on running. There's no way to catch up with me. I'm leaving you. Don't make no mess. You won't even see me. I'm running.
Flat Black Plastic Mutiny Radio FM. Thanks to the B for this Coltrane LP that's really warped but sounds really good. And uh, if you can help Mutiny Radio FM out with some dough when you come into the website, you if you click us some mean green to be on the scene. And uh, also we have to thank our friends. Our compatriots over at Alfred's House of Trousers, where if you have ants or angst or any other infestation problem in your pants, they can either put that in or take that out. They're, they're trouser people.
the Windy City. And they call it the Windy City because of the home. The home. Almighty home. Mr. Wind takes care of plenty of business. Stop. 
for all junkies to see. Ghetto Prince is my thing, making love's how I swing. I'm your pushing me. record ever recorded. <laughs> yes, in this one-time-only mixed bag special, every record ever recorded. From the same people who brought you hits of 51, 52, Hungarian love songs, songs that begin with the letter P, every possible phrase. Every record ever recorded. We mean literally that. Every record ever recorded since recording began, we drive a truck to your house and deliver every single record ever recorded. You get classical. Ich habe genug Kantata 82 by Bach. Ich habe genug. Johnny Cash, I walk the line. Lithuanian language records. Sessin, yes. Sessin, yes. Sessin. Chances are I want no. Yes, every record ever recorded. Plus, if you act now, an ice crusher. Conrad Jarvis, and I've been dead for six years. But this record offer is so spectacular, I had to come back to tell you about
I show up on time, they never have to worry about me. Rock acts are not known by producers to be particularly reliable. There is a lot of night of the concert going about the producer. Where are the amplifiers? What do you mean they're in Kansas City? They're supposed to in the room. Where are the roadies? The roadies hallucinating, thinks he's Abraham Lincoln. Are you not Abraham? Where are the large things with the dials on them? The kid just drove a truck from Portland, Oregon to Chicago in two hours. You can't deal with him. I've met some people that I've long admired from as like uh, Chuck Berry. It's so much fun to meet him at the Helen Reddy show. We were introduced, we shook hands, and uh, I said, glad to meet you. He said, far out. <laughs> Isn't that perfect for Chuck Berry, he said? It's so perfect here. Far out. It would have floored me completely if he had said something like, hi, Bob, this Watergate thing has got me up a tree. <laughs> You think he's lying, the one, the, the one today? I don't know. Just a minute. Go down into the Anna, down in New Orleans. Fellas, that's a B-flat. You know. No, he's really Chuck Berry. I met Dr. John, Dr. John the Night Dripper. I was doing the midnight special, and I had been going around doing his song to myself for an entire weekend. It must have been the right please. Humming his song everywhere. It must have been... Well, everyone has one best friend. I have the best friend. Every single one of these other friends are the best. I have the best friend. Better than your best friend. Ain't no contest. Yes, my friends are So, Malcolm, I have, I have big news. We were expecting our our brilliant buddy adam to be late today and he his plans got canceled he actually just walked into the studio um as we're talking adam hello 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 what do you want to talk about today where do you want to take this conversation so i wanted to talk about exactly how bitcoin works uh when you are using it because we've had a lot of feedback uh, in the last episode, like, oh, I'm actually really interested in Bitcoin now. I'd like to get started. How do I get started? So I wanted to talk a bit about um, acquiring your first Bitcoin, 
and uh, sending it to yourself and holding your own Bitcoin because a lot of the value proposition of Bitcoin is it's the first digital thing that you can hold yourself. Um, when you have money in, in a bank account right now and you spend on a plastic card or when you will hold stock at a brokerage, you are trusting those third parties to hold those that digital information for you um, and you have to trust that the bank won't go out of business or that um, Robin Hood <laughs> might go out of business. Uh, we can talk about that GameStop situation that happened last year where Robin Hood stopped make, letting people sell st uh, stocks that they held on Robin Hood. And Bitcoin is the first digital thing that you can hold yourself. And uh, I want to teach people how to acquire Bitcoin and then make sure that they hold it themselves. Awesome. Yeah. And Pam is in studio today. She um, has brought a hundred dollars to to so you can walk us through in real time a use case of how do we acquire Bitcoin and how do we hold it ourselves. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Hang on, Pam, let's get you headphones and mic'd up. Yeah, let's bring you into the process. Heck yeah. Hey there, there's Pam. Hi. Hi, Pam. Pam, Adam. Hi. Yeah, hello. Hey, Adam, Pam, this is part. Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm. Hi, Pam. Hey, uh, Malcolm. Nice to meet your voice. I've heard so much about you. Now I'm hearing you. Look at that. Well, I am so excited about Bitcoin. I am scintillated in all of this. I actually just received some NFTs this week, some non-fungible tokens. I have no idea what, what? that means. I was beautiful, assuming that beautiful. you would know what yeah. that means, Adam, because not a clue. I do know what that means. I've, you've got them before I ever got any, but um, Malcolm, we'll have what, to what is talk that? about that soon. Ask Adam. Yeah, Adam NFT stepped away for a moment. Yeah, what is an NFT? It's a non-fungible token is what NFT stands for. And so it's um, a, a digitally, digitally verifiable scarcity. So it's like... It's a, uh, Adam can say exactly what it is, but it's, it's a computer thing that says there is only one of these. And so it's like, um, it's used a lot right now for art and sports collectibles. It's kind of like a baseball card. Or if you've ever had, um, like, they make these collectible hat pins in the festival community, on the back of it, it will say, like, one of 75. That means that there was only 75 pins of that ever made. And so some NFTs are like one of three, but most of them are one of one. And it's, it's almost like a deed or, some, you know, it's a certificate of ownership of a unique digital item. But then, so what, is it, but it's hmm? money? Uh, so the, the whole crypto no, movement... Money. The whole crypto movement's about digital ownership. Uh, Bitcoin was the first solution to the double spend problem, where everything that you own on the internet, you can't really own it because uh, you could send it to multiple people and you can't preserve the originality of that piece of digital information. So if you have a picture on the internet, like you would never pay for pictures on the internet because it's like, I'll just copy this, send it to my friends, it has no value. That was the original technical problem that Bitcoin solved, too. It was like, I can't have a dollar on the internet because I can just send it to everyone and it has no value. And um, NFTs essentially apply some of the same 
technical innovation that uh, Bitcoin uses to solve the problem of money to solve the problem of just digital ownership in general, whether that's art, access to music, uh, sports cards, anything. It's creating digital scarcity. Mm-hmm. Now, um, NFTs are very early, I'll just say, because while digital ownership is great and you do own this NFT, the internet hasn't built up around it to give you the ability to actually use your NFT and actually scarcely own that thing. Uh, there's a big meme in the Twitter community when you, when uh, people are anti-NFT, they'll go, oh, I just right-click and copied your million-dollar picture of an ape. Um, because while you own the picture and you own the like stamp that this is the real one, the, the picture itself is still digital and can be copied. Mm. That but the, there's no security around somebody experiencing it and being able to copy it. Correct. So yeah. It's like counterfeiting. Yeah, it's easily counterfeited because it is digital by uh, nature. Yeah. Is but the, the idea of it is that you know I have numerous posters in my bus that are prints of um, originals that I could never afford. But you know there are still people out there paying millions of dollars for a Van Gogh original. Even though they can buy a Van Gogh poster at the gift shop, they have the money for a Van Gogh original. Great point. Yep. That, that is true. That's its current use case. Now, um, I've heard, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about Ether Rocks, which is the stupidest NFT. Is it part of the Ethernet collection or the Ether? Yeah. So, the Ethereum collection. So NFTs resolve to different uh, blockchains. Ethereum is a blockchain that supports NFTs. So um, there are many. It was the original blockchain that could support NFTs. Um, there are there's a few NFTs that were created in the last bull run around 2017 that have held their value over time and, and really gathered a, a large community. The three big ones worth talking about are CryptoPunks. Um, there are 10,000 CryptoPunks, and the average value of them is like $50 million uh, per CryptoPunk. It's insane. People what? are like, I won't sell my CryptoPunk. Never would. What um, is a CryptoPunk? It is literally, it's like a picture of a face, a cartoon face. Um, they, some of them have glasses. Some of them are smoking cigarettes. Some of them have hats. Um, but it was really like the first generative NFT, which is um, they were minted with random properties on the Ethereum blockchain. Oh, so, so uh, an RNG created these images. Yes, I believe so. I'm not a, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but that's my understanding of it. So there's the CryptoPunks, the Bored Ape Yacht, Yacht Club, which is uh, similar, except they're pictures of apes and some of them have hats they have different colored backgrounds how is it worth 50 million dollars because someone is willing to pay for it actually i i do have a point of view on this um (laughs) because somebody's willing to pay for it yeah (laughs) it's fascinating but uh no uh like i feel like first edition star wars actually that's just right at this point it's it's first edition but um we like Prior to, uh, I want to say, like, the 2000s, people had different things and created new things. Like, there were genres of music and ethnicities of food. Um, And 
in in our generation, everything's been about uh, putting things together, and and the medium is the message. Um, so, what what is cool and what is valuable is this that it is a new thing, a new form of art that didn't exist before. Um, and I think that that is the value. It's it's new, and people think that it can become a a way to transmit ideas. And these were like the first ones of that. Yeah, and it definitely can be like the evolution of not only cryptocurrencies but blockchain technology and its applications across our life cycle, like our life space. This is one of them. This is a really cool thing, and it'll allow artists to better capture value from people that are experiencing it. Right, exactly. Like right now, I talked about the third parties in banking um, where we don't, like if I send you money over Venmo, I don't send you money directly. I send money to Venmo. Venmo changes the record to you, and you can withdraw it. Uh, that's also what happens in the art world. Look at Spotify. If I'm an artist and I make songs and I want to send them to people, I can't send them directly to people and get money for it because of that lack of digital scarcity we talked about. I need to trust Spotify to basically manage the rights of my music so that it doesn't get copied and it doesn't end up in a million hands for free. Um, and Spotify, for the privilege of doing that, takes gigantic commissions and basically squashes the artist and they take all of the profits from them for themselves so when we're able to use this technology to to have a peer-to-peer -peer transaction 